0: building the temple this morning and then actually i'm, I'm preaching lord for on nehemiah this morning during the morning service on um, the church service and again uh, it's one of the few passages in the bible that tells much about what a service should be like and so really today's messages are really on the church and uh, you know i was preaching uh, at, to the college students in hammond today, this week and you know I, i'm really concerned about this next generation that do not have a conviction about church i'm just they don't have a conviction about it now we have a good, very good crowd out for Sunday school, but I wanna tell you, is it Atkins, is that your name? Atkins, am I saying that right? Atwood, A-T-W-O-O-D, all right. You know, Brother Sister Atwood, you're visiting with us this morning, and I don't know you from Adam, but you decided, not even being your home church, why you're gone to go to, a, to, go to, a, to go to a church. And you picked an independent Baptist church, which says something about you, because you don't just end up in these kind of churches by accident. <laughs> so. We're crazy, that's why, amen? But I want to tell you, this next generation that's being raised, they do not have a conviction about, I'm talking about as a whole. I know there's some kids, they don't have a conviction about church. And, uh, and, it's, and it's our fault, I think, as pastors and sometimes as parents, that, you know, church is, if I have a time, if I have time, I'll, I'll, I'll go to church. That's not why you go to church. You go to church to worship the Lord. And part of, our, part of our worship today, as far as worshiping the Lord, is why we're here. There's several aspects of worship when it comes to church. And, and it's not just preaching, by the way. All right. We spend time, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer, prayer is part of our worship. That's why we come to church. Amen. Preaching is the word of God, the delivery of the word of God. That's part of our, our worship. By the way, you're giving. As far as us giving, that's part of our worship uh, to God. You know, we, we, I know that especially a person, if they get, they're newly saved, they come to a church, everything is so new to them because before you get saved, churches is more a religious thing. It's not a worship thing. All right, now I know, they, I know a lot of these churches want to use the term worship and they've got these worship teams where they've got a band across the front and they've got all these people with mics in their hand and they're all swaying back and forth and all the music is very breathy and the notes going, are going way up and way down it, to, because it gives a sensualness to the singing. That's not true worship, by the way, all righty. And we just know that from the scriptures because of Ephesians chapter number 5, he says talks about our singing. He says that we're supposed to sing uh, spiritual songs, hymns, hymn, psalms, and spiritual songs. And by the way, a spiritual song can, cannot necessarily be a hymn out of the hymn book. But our worship is not supposed to glorify the flesh. Our worship is supposed to glorify him. And so, again, we're living in this day-to-day where people don't have worship. I, I'm so thankful for the hoary head the gray-headed folks that are in the service this morning because you have a conviction about church and it's Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. You know, Dr. Lee Robertson said it takes three to three to thrive, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Well, I think it takes more than just three. I think you ought to be there when the doors are open. All right, and, uh, and we say, so where do you get that? Hebrews ten twenty-five: not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Now, isn't it interesting that God put in the scripture that some people are gonna miss church. As the manner of some is. Church ought to be a very, very important part of your life, not because you're religious or just because, well, I'm saved, so I go to church. No, you go to you go to church, yes, because you're born again, but you go to church because that's where I want to meet with the Lord. Where two or three are gathered together. There I am in the midst of them. All right. So God He wants to meet with us. You say, well, is it really that important? All right, let's find out how important it is. Let's go back to the book of Exodus, don't turn there, but the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse number eight, God says, I'm gonna make me a sanctuary that I can dwell among my people. God had a tabernacle built so that his people would have a place where he could come and be with them. Now think about the God of the universe. The one who puts all the seas, the oceans that, that are in the world are in the palm of his hand. A God that we cannot fathom when it comes to the galaxies, 100,000 stars in our galaxy. And to us, there's 100,000 galaxies that are known to man. That God is, is omnipotent. We can't understand all of that. But God still wants to meet with his people. Right? And of course, we know that from Psalm 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him? and the sun Man that thou visit him. So this morning, it's gonna feel like this all day this morning, at least the morning hours. I wanna talk about the church this morning. I feel like that's obviously it's the direction the Lord has for us. And we're gonna start with Solomon building the temple. There are four places called the house of God in scripture. The first place called the house of God is the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a place referenced to where God was gonna meet with his people. The second one was the temple. The, the tabernacle was a portable place of worship that the children of Israel moved from place to place to place until they got to the promised land, okay? Then David wanted to build a temple and God did not allow him. So his son, Solomon built the temple. That was supposed to be the permanent place of worship. All right, now again, forgive me for going from memory. There's one before the tabernacle and that was a place called Bethel with Jacob. It was called the house of God. It's where Jacob met with God. So you have Bethel, you've got the tabernacle, you've got the temple. And then the Bible says the church, which is a called out assembly, the church is the house of God. All right, now we understand that this building is not the church, all right? What's the church? The church is you, all right? In other words, if you're saved. By the way, we could step right outside and have church on the grass. We could all sit out there on the grass. How many is glad we're not going to do that this morning, all right, all right? I'm glad and thankful that we can come into a church where it's cool in the summer, heated in the winter. We can sit on a padded pew and we can listen to the word of God. But for church family, the church is not this building. A person coined the phrase a long time ago that... Uh, as far as the church building, the, the building is not what's important, but what happens in those building is important. And it's true. What happens in a church building? Well, number one, it's where we meet with God. It's where Christians are, are, are edified in their faith. What else is done at the church? That's where evangelism, where people are saved. Yeah. Now, those are the two most important things that could happen. Someone gets saved and a Christian grows a Christian and grow closer to the Lord. So this morning I want to talk about the Solomon building the temple and obviously the application this morning is the house of God and we'll look at that. All right, 2nd Chronicles chapter 5 this morning is where we're at. 2nd Chronicles chapter 5, let's begin in verse number 1. We're just a couple verses here. So, the building of the temple goes from 2 Chronicles chapter 2 all the way to chapter number 7, and obviously there's not enough time to read all of the building of the temple and the dedication of it from chapter 2 to chapter 7. I wanted to read just a small portion of this. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse number 1. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished, and Solomon brought brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers and the children of Israel into Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is, which is Zion. All right, Verse 3, wherefore all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark in the tabernacle, of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up. Now let's stop for just a moment here and i'm going to pray and we'll run with this for a little bit but what had happened is that the tabernacle was a tent the tabernacle was a portable place of worship and again um i'm I'm sorry i hope i probably should have put something in your hand this morning but can you envision the tabernacle for just a moment all right with me this morning i wish i had a grease board i'm not a good drawer but i could at least illustrate if you were to come in the tabernacle court it was a fence around the tabernacle itself The first thing you would come to is a brazen altar. The brazen altar was a picture of the cross because it's where the the animal sacrifices were made. They would go from the brazen altar and the next step would be a round thing called a laver. The laver was where the water was, where the priest would wash himself, which is a picture of the cleansing of a Christian. You can't begin to cleanse yourself until first of all, you get saved, all right? Once you get saved, then you can claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and uh cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you went on the outside, the brazen altar, the, the laver, then you would come into the tabernacle itself. Now only the priests could go into the tabernacle, but in the tabernacle, they would, they would go into the tabernacle. On your right was the table of showbread, on your left was the golden candlestick, and then directly in front of you was the altar of incense. Okay, now that was the first room of the tabernacle and that was the, that was the holy place. Then there was a veil, Now I know you know these things, but there was a veil, and on the other side of the veil was a room called the Most Holy Place, or the Bible refers to as the Holy of Holies. What was inside the Most Holy Place? The Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant housed three things during the time of Moses. It housed the Ten Commandments, and it housed Aaron's rod that budded, and, uh, and then a, a bowl of manna, and again, there's stories behind all of those. But at the time that the Ark was about to go into the temple, it had the Ten Commandments in it, all right? The, the, what they were often referred to as the Law of Moses. So, so Solomon builds the temple, he takes the Ark of the Covenant from the tabernacle that was in a tent, and now he's gonna put it into its permanent place of worship, which is the temple, all right? Let's look at your Bible again now, verse number uh, 10. There was nothing in the Ark of the... Of the Ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests which were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified, and did not uh, then wait by course, also the Levites which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. And it came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. All right, so basically we have the transition of going from the tabernacle. To the temple, the Ark of the Covenant comes in, they set it in that most holy place, and they begin to sing, and all of a sudden, God himself in the Shekinah glory comes down into that most holy place. God has always wanted a place that he could meet with his people. Amen. You see, Pastor Angus, I thought according to 1 Corinthians 6, that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that is true. That's why in your own personal time, God can still speak to us. You have the Word of God, you have the Spirit of God, and you are the temple of God. But God has always had a place for his people to go to, to assemble around him and worship him. And that really is the house of God. And we're going to use the temple as that illustration of that Old Testament illustration of the temple. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Our Father in heaven, thank you again for letting us be here this morning. Would you again bless each person. Lord, help us again to be praying in our hearts. Speak to us today. Lord, if the house of God is a place that we meet with you, may we meet. Father, may we not come and go and, Lord, take some facts in or some information. But, Father, may we more than that. May you, may you do something in our spirit, Lord. Forgive us where we fail you as Christians and draw us closer to you today. Help us again our love to be even more. Thank you again for your Son Jesus who died for us. Yeah. Father, again, help us be a witness of that. Now, God, please bless the services and as well as the other teachers that are teaching. Give us the words to say in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Yeah. Now, just a minute, I want to just, uh, I guess, briefly this morning what I want to talk about. I, wanted, I guess I just want to pinpoint, pinpoint some, several things and I have one really thing I want to deal with. And I want to show you what's associated with the house of God and it still should be associated with the house of God. I'll look at that for just a moment. And, but before I hit that, can I just point out just a couple of things that to me are unique about this. The first thing is I want you to see is jump back a couple pages to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. And again, I'm not going to be able to hit all of this this morning, but I want you to notice something about David. Before David died, Solomon builds the temple. But in 1 Chronicles 28, you're going to pick it up in verse number 11. It says, then David gave to Solomon his son the what? All right, the pattern. Verse number 12, the pattern of all that he had by the what? Spirit. Spirit. All right, now verse number 19, all this said David the Lord made me understand and writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this what? All right, now again, I'm, I'm skipping around, not reading all the scriptures because of time, but can I just get you to understand that what Solomon built was a pattern given to him by his father and where did David get the pattern? According to that verse from the what? From the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God showed David what the pattern should have been for the temple and so Solomon didn't build what he thought was going to be built. He built what his father told him needed to be built. Now here's the thought I want you to see. David not only gave him the pattern by the Spirit of God of what the temple was supposed to be, but he also prepared materials for the, for the, for the temple. Before David died, he collected gold and brass and all these different materials to be able to build a temple. And here's the thought, I guess I wanted to just to remind you, is that Solomon's thinking of what the, how important the house of God was, was handed down to him by his father. In other words... His dad said, hey, listen, what you're about to do is pretty important. God wouldn't let me do it, but God's going to let you do it. And here's what you need to do. Here's the pattern of all the rooms and how it's supposed to be built. And here's some material that I'm going to leave behind. His dad showed him the importance of the house of God. Now, listen, if you're a single mom in here, then you ought to show your children the importance of the house of God. It ought not to ever be a question, are we going to church today? Ever. You say, well, you're the pastor. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's many of you that could say the same thing and our children are starting to grow up and starting to leave now, but there's never, ever, ever, ever been a day in our home where the children got up on a Sunday or a Wednesday and said, are we going to church? Not once. And you could say the same thing. You know why? Because dad has showed the importance of, hey, church is supposed to be a centerpiece of our life, and it is. Hey, listen, uh, this morning, I'm I'm not scolding you. I just wish you would think about it. We're living in a day that literally has taken the place of church on Sunday. That's right. Throwing a baseball. That's right. Now I want to just tell you something, God's more important than a baseball or a basketball or a football. Amen. There's churches in our own town that on Super Bowl Sunday, they don't have church. They put on a big screen, uh, you know, we might do that. No, no. they put on a big screen the, the Super Bowl game. That is the craziest thing in the world. Amen. I get a little irritated with independent Baptist pastors, but I don't have to answer for them, I have to answer for here. But it's the craziest thing around Christmas time. If Christmas, does Christmas falls on a Saturday this year? Am I correct on that? I think it does. But usually, there are churches that if Christmas falls on the Lord's Day, they don't have church. And I'm thinking, whose birthday is it? Are you an idiot or what? I mean, I don't tell them that. I think that. All right? Sorry. I told you what I was thinking. But, But I want to just tell you something. We have gone berserk about this thing of allowing so many other things to be more important than God. And church, yeah. and I know, I'm going to just tell you something. I know this is just a building, but you're not just a building. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you. When we come together, the word church means ecclesia. The word ecclesia it comes from a Greek word. It means a called out assembly. If you're saved, Amen. you've been called out. Amen. There's some of you in here that you travel an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half to get to church. My hat's off to you. You know what? That's somebody that says, hey, I think I ought to be in church. Amen. Amen. Well, I got people who live 10 minutes from here that can't even make it. Okay, God bless them, all right? Now listen, here's what I you should see this morning. The first thing is that his father handed down, I think we as parents need to show our children how important church is. My son Samuel went off to college, and so he's not here. And, uh, and I did the same thing with Sharon, and I did the same thing with Seth, okay? Now I know once they start to leave house, I lose a little bit of control, all right? As long as you're in my house and I'm feeding you, I'm giving you a place to stay, you do what I say. Amen. This is the craziest thing in the world, our children telling the parent what to do, All All right. They miss a couple meals, they'll, they'll reevaluate. I'm talking about these older kids, all right? Now, when they're, when they're small, you spank them. Amen. You spank them. According to scripture, you spank them. Amen. Does everybody out there hear me? Spank, 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 spank. <laughs> I'm sick of this thing, we have to be politically correct. The Bible says to spank. Amen. Not to abuse, but to spank. Anyway, that's, that's another story. But when our kids get to be older and you start to look them in the eye, we have a tendency to let go of some things and uh, so, when my kids went to college, I, I, there is a tendency that I have to let go of a little bit because they're not necessarily under my roof. But I just tell them before they leave, i want to tell you something. Everybody else that's at college is going be working on Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Don't you do that. One of, my, one of my pet peeves about colleges is simply this colleges are, are an important part as far as training children. I think there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But it's crazy to me that when we're raising ministers to preach the gospel, that we allow them to miss Sunday night, Wednesday night to pay their school bill and expect that they're going to go out and pastor a church and have a conviction about going to church. They are not going to. They are not going to. There is no way you're going to be able to stand behind the pulpit and say, "Listen, you need to be in church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night," because the Bible says, "Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together." Churches is, it should be important. They're not going to do that. And so what's happened is we're raising a bunch of preachers now, young men. We've had a generation of it that they're standing behind the pulpit and say, "Hell, if you're not at work, you ought to be here. Yeah, yeah. Change your work." Can I just tell you that David put a priority upon the house of God, and that's why Solomon had a priority in the house of God. We need some moms and dads that say, listen, what's going on at the church house is important. And we don't have a pope. We have a pastor. Amen. I have a Holy Spirit inside of me that tells me how I'm supposed to live my life and how I'm supposed to train my children. i got a book in my hand that's my handbook on how to do that. But God has also given you an under-shepherd to look after you, Not a dictator, but giving you an undership to explain the word of God and to give counsel for as far as training. And I'm just trying to tell you the church ought to be an important part of your children's life. Can I just listen to me this morning? We have young people that are being raised right now, and because the parent does not have a good, a a, a close relationship with the pastor, their children don't have a close relationship with the pastor. I'm just telling you, church family, I would rather not be in this position because there's a responsibility, and I don't like to have a responsibility when it comes to being accountable for people that I might be able to give it with joy and not with grief. But I want to tell you, the children of our church that have the best relationship with me are the children who have parents who have the best relationship with me. And I'm using the word "me" because the office of a pastor. But can I just tell you something? Your pastor ought to be your best friend. That's right. Amen. I, I, Amen. If you haven't figured it out by now, I have a belief system inside of me, according to the last chapter of the book of Malachi, that the pastor is supposed to be a person who points the heart of the children to the Father and the heart of the Father or the heart of the parent to the child. Amen. I'm your best friend. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. When your child gets in trouble, and there are going to be days that they're going to need counsel. The first person they ought to go to is your mom and dad. The second person they ought to be running to is their preacher. Right. Right. Amen. I'm just telling you, David put the priority on the house of God and Solomon put a priority on the house of God. And we can explain it any way you want. Well, God chose Solomon and Solomon built the temple, but it's because he had a dad Amen. that said, Solomon that's what you need to do. And I don't have time to read all the scriptures with you, but they're all there. And they're in, I think during your lesson, hopefully there. All right, next thing. Uh, again, I'm trying to get to one other thought. I might not have time to get to it. But the other thing is, I want you to look at uh, oh, let's see here, Second Chronicles chapter two. All right. And again, I told you that chapters two through seven is the building of the temple. But look at Second Chronicles chapter two, in verse number one. And Solomon, what's the next word? Determined, Determined to build a house for the name of the Lord and a house for his kingdom. In First Kings five five, you don't turn there. It uses the word purpose. It says this. It says, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord all right now Solomon determined and purposed when it came to the house of God as far as not just not just building it that he was going to worship there and there needs to be determined and a determination in our heart and a purpose in our heart have you figured out that everybody that comes to the heritage baptist church that you necessarily do not like them did you know the scripture does not tell you that you have to like everybody the scripture says the second greatest commandment is to love first love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. The second greatest commandment is to love who? Love your neighbor as yourself. aren't you, God did not say that you have to like everything that you love, what, but God says that we're supposed to love like Christ loved. By the way, we're, we're unlovable and God loves us. I don't know that he likes everything that we do, but he loves us, all right? How many of you have children? Raise your hand. Do you love your children, yes or no? Do you like everything they do? No. No. I was preaching it uh, this week, I told you, at Hales Anderson, they, they, it was a good opportunity, it was a blessing, but, um, so, I didn't see Samuel before the service, because I, I, was, I was, long story, I just couldn't see him, but I wasn't seeing him. so, before the service, I was able to preach to the Hal's Anderson College, and then they were having a, kind of a small, a small convention, I guess, or a, I don't know what you call that, conference, and so people that were all there, and so I was in the auditorium and everything, and after the service, Samuel walks up, and of all things, Samuel is wearing that stupid pink tie. (laughs) Now, just remember, Samuel can do whatever. There's nothing in the scripture that says he's not supposed to wear pink. Okay, I just don't like pink. I, I I just feel like you bring the baby girl home, she's wearing pink. You bring the baby boy home, he's wearing blue. I'm just telling you, I can't find a Bible verse, but I wish I could. I didn't say one word. Boy, when he walked up and had that pink tie, I'm thinking, oh, what are you thinking? All right, but I love Samuel. And I mean that. I love him with all my heart. I miss him terribly. When we hug, I don't know if you ever hug somebody that when you hug somebody that you hug so tight, it's almost like you don't want to let go of them. That's how how it was. When I met him, it's how it was when we left. It's just, "Mm, man, I miss you. I love him, but I don't like that pink tie. <laughs> hey, can I tell you something? You come to the Heritage Baptist Church. I'm just trying to tell you something. God made us all differently. And it's not a, it's not a piece of clothing. It's our personality. <laughs> yes, and we're all different in here. But God, God did not command you to like everybody, but he commanded you to love everybody. Amen. And I'm just trying to tell you that as a Christian, you ought to be in church, not because of who shows up, because that's where God wants you. He determined, he purposed when it come to church. And you ought to have that same determination. Um, I want to show you something else too. And again, I'll, I'll go as long as the Lord lets us here. But Second Chronicles chapter number two, go back, you're in chapter two again. I like this verse, verse number five. I think this, I think this a memory verse, remember correctly. It says, in the house which I build is great. Why is it great? Let's read the last phrase, verse number five together. For great is our God above all gods. You know, church family, um, I think we have to be careful that we do not build edifices as far as buildings, but I do believe that when it comes to buildings that represent the Lord, they need to be first class. Amen. Amen. And church, I know there's things around here that could be fixed, I know there's things that could be a whole lot better, yeah. uh, but can I just tell you something? I think, the, I think God's house ought to be clean, I think it ought to be presentable, but I think it ought to be nice. And it's not that we're trying to, we're, we're, if you haven't figured out, we don't have any rich people at this church. <laughs> I tease about that. We don't, I, I, sometimes I tease that somebody, yes. There are no rich people in our church. We don't have any millionaires, and I really wish God would send one or two. (laughs) These, these are home. We I refer to them as home folks, blue collar for the most part, blue collar workers. We're talking about people, you know, you're you're barely making enough to end the week to be able to take care of your families. And by the way, that doesn't take away that you should give. Like God wants you to give. It's like God doesn't say, okay, you're too poor to give and you're too rich to give. That's not how God works. Every man give according to God, blessed him as God has prospered us. That's how we give. But could you understand that I I think that God's house ought to be great because it's him. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with us uh, purchasing, um, whether it's seating or whether it's something for the speaker, whether it's something for the platform. Uh, Listen, I want to tell you something. Some of you are going to really not like me for this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, okay? Some of you don't like me anyway, so it doesn't matter, all right? You can't see them right now, but those chairs that are on the platform, I have wanted those chairs for years. And I want to tell you why I didn't buy them. Part of the reason I didn't buy them. Number one, I couldn't find the right one. But when, the other thing is they're expensive. I want to tell you how much each of those chairs cost, okay? Now, someone breathe in, breathe out. Everyone breathe in, breathe out. Every one of those chairs costs $400 each. And some of you say, hey, Pastor, how could you spend that much money? Well, I just want to tell you, the only thing those chairs are used for is Church. I mean, except I take them home and sit on them every once in a while. No, I'm just joking, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Amen. Church. Yes, praise God. That's it. Church. Amen. And I know that we're not a high-fluting church, and I know that we're not an expensive church, but there's, there ought to be something about the house of God. This is a great place. Amen. And I want to tell you why it's a great place, because we serve a great God. That's right. Amen. Great God. Great God. We are $250,000 from being completely debt-free again. Amen. That's awesome. Oh, I cannot wait. Can't wait. We've had our periods of debt-free when we built this particular building. I think it was $675,000 that we borrowed. And I know some of you might throw stones at me. I'm sorry. I just, I, we were at a place at our church's life that we're over 80% full. People, visitors were coming. And as Americans, we do not like to sit shoulder-to-shoulder to people. So people would come and they'd leave. This is, where we were. this is where we were in our life, church's life. God gave us permission, church family, it was an agreement. But I am so thankful that one day we're going to be out. But can I just tell you something? Just the brick on the outside of this building was almost $250,000. The steel that you can't see, just the red iron, was $234,000. That's a lot of money just to come to church. Well, I tell you this, we serve a great God. If you haven't figured it out, he's great. And by the way, I'm thankful that we don't have to use this for a gymnasium because when we were on the old site and even when we were here, we had a, we, our, our auditorium was a gymnasium all-purpose building. And by the way, there's nothing wrong because the church is not the building. The church is the people. But I'm so thankful we don't have to move the pews out of the way to play basketball in here. I'm glad this is the auditorium. I'm glad that we can respect the auditorium. My watch didn't switch. I got four more minutes. Can, can I just tell you, God's, God's a great God. And when we come to church, that's what we're here to worship. We're not here to worship anybody but Him. That's it. Just want to listen. This morning, I want to preach from Nehemiah, and I'm really going to continue the strain of this, but I don't have time to teach the rest of the lesson. I don't know that I'm really going to hit it in the next service. But it's interesting what, what God through Solomon, associated with the house of God. And it's the same things that ought to be associated with our worship. And you can read those things. And there in the morning service, we're going to look at those things. Hey, if you haven't figured out, I believe in church. I really do. So to finish my story that I did not finish earlier, my son Samuel, when we went to college, the same thing with Sharon, I said, listen, when you go there, you got to make sure that you get a job that doesn't work on Sundays and don't miss service. Because by the way, when they leave my house, what am I going to do? I'm not going to follow them. i can not a to spank them. I mean, once they're out of my house, then you know I have to hope that they've learned enough that they'll do God's will. And so, uh, so Samuel he got a job. Works afternoons. Works two to sevens. Sometimes he uh, has to show up to church, and is, he's doing working discount tires. So he's doing tires. And uh, so he sometimes he shows up in his little uniform and goes to church. I'm fine with that. Come in your work clothes. Just don't miss church. You know. I know that we think church is really, is it really that big of a deal? I've got a Bible, I've got the Holy Spirit, I can worship the Lord on my own. I want to tell you what the big deal is. God says I'm going to have a place for you to meet with me. Started out with Jacob at Bethel, went to the tabernacle with Moses, and went to the temple with Solomon. And when you get the New Testament, he said, there's going to be a place that's the ground and pillar of the truth, and it's called the Church of the Living God. It's where we meet together around his word for God to speak to us. Listen, I know there's a thousand other things you could have done this morning. How many would have liked, if your flesh would have let you, you'd have liked to sleep in this morning? Would you raise your hand? All right. I want to tell you, I'm the same way. After this ladies retreat, there are so many people tuckered out right now. You know, I already know during the morning service, half of people are gonna be sleeping, but I'm fine with that. At least they came to church. Amen. And I'll wake them up. Ha 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 ha.